So welcome back to the Birdie Bug Pod, episode 25. So we're back on a very windswept and very rainy afternoon. Yeah, we're getting battered a bit by the storm. Not as bad as a lot of places, but it's certainly... Storm Babbitt. Yeah, it is very windy. You and named all of... it Babbitt. Do you know why it was called Babbitt? No. All I know is it delayed a lot of my trains. Is it Babbitt or Babbitt? Babbitt. Anyway, anyway, yes, it's windy. We're back. One week late. Can't... Are we late, though? Yes. I don't... Well, t- is there a late? Because... Let me get philosophical this early on. <laughs> yeah, no, but, you know, we spend our lives, you know, with schedules and times that we have to be somewhere, and that's not what the Birdie Bug Pod's all about. It happens when it happens. We're not on our normal every other week schedule. We are a week late. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, all right. <laughs> but it's good to be back. Um, it is good to be back. It's always good to be back. And after doing a couple of, not heavy, but quite sciencey topics, we've done obviously the uh, invasive species, and a few episodes ago we did the reintroductions. We're doing a little bit more of a, of a nice light episode where we get to chat about places and photography, which should be nice. Yeah, it's all about favourite places, I guess. Favourite places that not only do we... Uh, go and you know photograph wildlife but we walk and we just enjoy being at these places don't we because they are they are fantastic places we really enjoyed chatting about croatia and obviously croatia is not it's not local so it's quite nice to be able to sit and talk about places that are not that far or certainly within the uk so it could possibly work as almost like recommendations for people haven't been to these places yeah they're they're brilliant and not just for the wildlife but just as a some of, some of them geographically interesting yeah, as well. Yeah, I think my ones are relatively local, but there are a few a bit further afield from yeah, me. Yeah, obviously I venture into Wales quite a bit. Well, you've got a really good sort of uh, history of Wales, haven't you? Yeah, so it should be a nice light topic about some of our our favourite places to see wildlife, take photos yeah. and get outside. Have you got a catch-up? Should we do catch-up? I know. <laughs> you no. have none? No. I don't think you understand. I, I work in my own house... And I drive to jiu-jitsu. Now, hang on a minute, but you've got another stripe. i got another stripe on my jiu-jitsu belt, but it's not particularly relevant to the birdie I'm I'm trying to find something here. (laughs) A grown grown man put some athletic tape around a belt that I wear, and it made me feel quite good. Yes, he's been rolling around with sweaty men again. (laughs) Yeah, best way to start a day, (laughs) apparently. I think we'll stop there. That's my catch-up. I haven't been outside or done anything particularly wildlife-y sadly right um the weather's been pretty naff weather's been naff i did my my only catch up really is i did my first solo run as a species protection site ranger at pagham you looked very professional with your hat uh, and your I had my official fleece i had a walkie talkie um i had my badge name badge on um my rspb baseball cap and off i went and you got battered by the wind oh, my, i think it was just the start of this uh, storm that's been you know the uk's been hit with and we were just on the edge of it i think um but where man was it wild out there it was absolutely right crazy. on the coast as well yeah where, where i walk i walk i start off a little bit inland and then walk down to a beach um and it was i could hardly stand up on the beach but it was it was fun and i bumped into some lovely people along the way and chatted to a you know, a few people here and there, and uh, yeah. So I did my first, my first solo run, and I loved every minute of it. So it's official. You are now a ranger. It is official. I am now a proper ranger, which is very cool. Yeah, it's very no, cool. It's, um, it, and it's also, you, I think I can't remember whether we've mentioned it. We probably have, or at least alluded to it. But you seem to be doing all sorts of citizen science, whether it's patrolling your little patch for the BTO. Oh, yes, or I did my, I did my um, wetland bird survey for BTO as well. It's done every month. Um, so I did my October one um, and then went to the uh, annual general meeting of the BTO web surveyors for the whole of the Aran district. Yeah, so met everybody, so that was great. integrating yourself into the yeah. world of ornithological... Met some lovely people. ...citizen science. Yes. Which is very cool. And how important it was. I was reading in one of the uh, BTO journals, I think I, we had this discussion about yeah. mute swans and the effect 20-odd years ago on uh, their population due to lead weights in angling. And um, and uh, lead weights eventually got banned, I think, in the 80s. And then citizen science data 
was instrumental in them monitoring the population and how it increased dramatically once that ban took place. So it's one of the. Well, I mean, we talk about citizen science all all the time. I think a lot of the episodes get a mention yeah. because it's quite often something that people can do to help out whatever species it is that we're we're chatting about. But it's nice to be able to sit read a scientific paper and recognise the fact that, oh, look, data actually is used. Yeah, it's this not... was a proper published journal, yeah. so... Um, yeah, it was... So it's just... It's cool to see what the, science, the citizen scientists yeah, do maybe, actually contribute maybe to. Maybe smile as I was reading it, because yeah. they were saying all the data, pretty much, I think 80% of the data came from um, from the volunteers doing a, a wetland bird survey in various parts of the country, and I sat there and smiled to myself and thought, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. So, but... anyway, so... Catch up is pretty normal for me. It's just been out in Pagham yeah. <laughs> walking around. But now it's official walks. But now it's official, yeah. yeah. Um, I, so, I yeah. would say that maybe this would be, you know, because last episode, if you did listen to it, thank you very much. It was a long episode. Yeah. We did really get quite into the invasive species as a topic. And I thought, you know, this one we're chatting about our own experiences, our own favourite places. Maybe it would be sort of short and sweet. But looking at how many places we have fond memories of, uh, yeah, we're going we'll to have to be relatively uh, concise, concise, aren't we? Um, because but, we could talk about each one of these places for, again, we've said this loads of times, we could do a whole episode yeah. on, on some of these uh, places that we but love we, so, so much. So we might as well jump in it and hopefully people do end up visiting some yeah. of these places. I'll, do you, do you, 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 you start. I'll start? Yeah. Okay. The first, I mentioned obviously that a few of mine, two of mine anyway, are in North Wales. Yeah. Um, I did my... A degree up in Bangor University so I've spent I think five years up in North Wales and so there's a lot of places I could have mentioned the first one I have is RSPB Southstack Cliffs which is right on the island of Anglesey in North Wales and it's just it's just phenomenal absolutely love it it's not the easiest place to get to if you don't have a car and fortunately I did uh, but one of the reasons it's so great is it's just got such a variety of habitats it's got heathland farmland cliffs coast and obviously the sea as well but it's a really important breeding area for a lot of birds, um, particularly actually chuffs. Oh, yeah. They, they've got 10 pairs of breeding chuffs up on Southstack. They're, they're lovely. I actually have, I don't think I ever saw them there. I saw them in my other North Wales spot. I only sort of recently um, got familiar, more familiar with chuffs in that programme I was watching with Vic Reeves. That's his sort of stage name. And he is absolutely obsessed with painting. And he paints birds. And he You've tra- got two of them now, haven't you? Yeah, and he did this fantastic little series where he travelled different parts of the country, he highlighted six different birds, and then you saw him in his studio painting them, and his painting is just phenomenal. And he did a whole episode all about chuffs. They are they are stunning birds, yeah. and I've only ever seen them in North Wales. Um, but it's just a very small background on, on South Stack. It's often reason why people know it is for the lighthouse people go and visit the lighthouse up there but the nature reserve itself is stunning it was actually um well the heathland is part of one of the largest areas of maritime heath in north wales which is quite cool and there's an endemic plant called the spatulate fleawort wow which is endemic to hollyhead island but it's only really found around south stack which is very cool um but one one of the sort of striking things are just the nesting seabirds on the cliffs um, and it can provide or it, it hosts up to 9,000 seabirds including puffins guillemots razorbills kittiwakes fulmers you also see peregrines and Canics, ravens. I guess as yeah. well yeah so but it's just something about seeing a cliff absolutely yeah. full of like guillemots and razorbills yeah. it's just it's just lovely um, but from just a diversity point of view you also get things like the silver studded blue butterfly adders as well and lizards um for, from a photographic point of view, actually, the main reason I went there was not for the birds. In true, uh, sort of, or sticking to my my niche, was actually for green tiger beetles. Uh, was was one of the main photographic subjects uh, that drew myself and, and some of my friends to South Stack. Um, but yeah, it really is an incredible place. It's one of I haven't ever actually seen a, a wild puffin, but it is one of the no. Do you know when we went to Mull? One of the places you can see we, puffins. We tried to fit everything in when we went to Mull, and also try and have a bit of a relax as well in the area that we were and i, I wished we'd gone and done, done the puffin, puffin island, island up yeah. there but there's quite a few of puffin yeah, islands you can go there? i think it's is it scoma island off uh, the coast of wales you can go yeah to, probably um, um and see puffins 
but yeah you, you can <coughs> technically also see them at, at south stack not that i ever did um but yeah from a photographic point of view green tiger beetles and adders were the two things i photographed yeah. the most i've never had a lens quite long enough for the seabirds but they're always a joy yeah. to see um but you know what? I'll, I might leave that there for Southstack. If you're ever on Anglesey, it's definitely worth a visit. There are some phenomenal photographs of the lighthouse, even with like northern lights sort of things happening over the top. And it really is quite a magical place. Um, and just the sound, the sound of 9,000 seabirds yeah, on the incredible. cliff is, is mm. quite, uh, quite a thing that you can't really match as far as nature Yeah, and I think you, you have to experience it to actually really understand what it's like to yeah you know, to, to i will say that. from a comedic point of view one of my friends sean i think he's had a few mentions on this podcast before i uh, used to work as an rspb volunteer um not a volunteer used to work for the rspb up there and the number of people who would turn up and be like i didn't know you had penguins in the uk <laughs> and i think he used to have spent quite a lot of time being like those, those we don't have penguins those, those are guillemots and razor bills but <laughs> I've never, yeah, people rock up and I've like, got penguins in the UK. Like, I guess he had to keep quite a straight face. <laughs> yeah, just always made me chuckle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it really is an incredible place. Right. In, in, a, in the spirit of trying to keep things concise, I'll wrap South Stack up. Um, but yes, if you're ever on Anglesey, go there. Yeah, it's amazing. Anglesey's lovely. Um, okay, so I'll do my first one, which it has to be Pagham Harbour. Um, I didn't know you liked Pagham. It's one of my favourite places in all the world, and now obviously I'm a sight ranger uh, there as well. Um, but it's an incredible place. It's um, a biological and geological site of special scientific interest, and it sits just between, just south of Chichester and north of Selsey, that in that area, in a sort of sheltered inlet. And it's an internationally important wetland site for wildlife, particularly at this time of year. Um, so it has salt marsh and mud flats and lagoons and reed beds and farmland adjoining it and a shingle beach and so the variety of wildlife is quite stunning I mean, um, I've only been there once with you but I did get to see a lovely kingfisher yeah well a lot of curlews I mean in the summer they uh, the, one of the highlights in the summer is uh, a tern colony they have a little tern island that's in the middle of the lagoon um, and that's incredible uh, but this time of year it's so important. Up to 20,000 ducks and geese and waders come into the reserve. One of the biggest, well, one of the most important ones for Brent geese as well. Yeah, I do love Brent geese. So they'll be coming in now. In fact, I, when I was, I did my first shift last week and they're already starting to How arrive. How many did you say it holds? Or sort of it hosts? 20, well, it, it, birds coming in, overwintering, 20,000 come in. It's just an incredible um, volume. So it's an incredibly important, internationally important site. Uh, and I absolutely love it. Um, uh, and there are sort of two sides to it. There's Pagham Harbour, which is all the salt marshes and the, the mudflats. And then the other side is split, it's divided by a road. And then the other side is Medmury. And um, Medmury is really interesting too, because it's the one of Europe's largest... I think I might have mentioned this in a podcast previously. It's one of the largest managed realignment schemes, uh, coastal realignment schemes in Europe, um, because that stretch of coast in the south was uh, one of the most um, uh, threatened by by flooding. Right. So effectively, what they did is they they built seven kilometres of new flood embankment inland, and then they let the sea breach as it would do if it was allowed to flood. And all of that breach then got held in by the new embankments and it just created this incredible area for wildlife. And that was kind of... What amazes me about Medmury is they finished all that and it was a massive undertaking. And I, I think, again, I've pointed people... If you go on the RSPB Medmury website, there is a video that shows the scale of it and it's an unbelievable scale that the, the, this project was and it was finished in 2013 but by 2014 um, they already had breeding and wintering po overwintering populations of avocets so the avocets were already breeding doesn't take Medmary long by 2014 it? and the project finished in 2013 and they also had um, black-winged stilts bred there in 
2014, so it's only a year later. It's amazing later. how quickly nature comes back. And and at the time, that was only the third successful breeding record of a black-winged stilt in the whole of the UK. So it, what I love about Medbury is it just shows you, if you create the area... The nature will come. quickly nature will just come in and go, thanks very yeah, much, thanks this we needed is this. amazing. Yeah. Well, I think we'll stay here. Yeah. And so Medbury's a fantastic place. It's also, it, it's a lot of... Uh, farmland and um, scrubland so it's really important place for uh, birds of prey so you'll see uh, merlin and hobby um, lots of marsh harriers and uh, yeah so the two air the two sides of the nature reserve i mean you can you can do the pagham side in the morning walk medbury in the afternoon Happy days, fantastic place. It's one of my favourite places for such a variety of not just birds. There's incredible amount of plant of um, flora and fauna, in, really important for uh, for uh, amphibians as well in the in the reed beds. Um, fantastic place, one of my favourite places in all the world. Go there. That's probably how we're going to end each, go. each one, isn't it? Go there. <laughs> So there you go. Was that, was that okay? Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to stay on Anglesey for my second okay. one. I'll work my way down the country rather than jumping back and forth. So the, my next one is Newborough Beach, um, which, again, is on Anglesey. Um, it's one of the largest dune systems in Britain. It was declared the first coastal national nature reserve in Wales in 1955. Um, and apart from the fact that it is just a stunning sandy beach, so the number of like games of football and frisbee and just the amount of time I've spent oh, you there. Can't beat that, can just you? from because of, over summer that's what we all we yeah. all flocked to New Beach because it was like I say big sandy. You t- big yeah, sandy we went beach. there. You took, you took yeah. us there, and it was a fantastic. I think it was very windy. Yeah, that I, day. T- I took <laughs> uh, my older brother there, and it was really windy. But over summer, like I say, it was the go-to place for a picnic and a game of football. Um, but it also has a huge forest, and a, a lot of that forest is not natural pine. It was planted, I think, for it, the timber. But the reason why it's so well loved is it's one of the few places you can still see red squirrels. Yes, um, and it's one of the places yeah. I have seen a red squirrel. That and the Isle of Wight are my only ever um, sightings of red squirrels, and so it's it's very well known for that. I think we mentioned, obviously, in the invasive species episode, that it's a lot easier to eradicate something from an island yes. and it's less likely that they'll come back quite so easily because yeah. they've got to go over a bridge. I, I think I mentioned an island in Scotland where they did that, yeah. where, they, where they actually got rid of... Um, oh, they got rid of the hedgehogs, if oh, you yeah. remember, because they were eating all the, yeah. the nesting birds' eggs. And it's, obviously, if you, I don't know, say get rid of the grey squirrels in London, yeah. the ones from the surrounding area will just yeah. come back, whereas islands are a bit more isolated. Sure. And so it's a really fantastic place to see red squirrels. But from uh again sort of in or on brand is what i was trying to say from an entomology point of view i've had a friend who is really really knowledgeable of bees and there's some really quite and i don't know necessarily rare but like niche species of bees uh, that live in like ant colonies and all sorts and we used to go hunting to try and find and photograph those spent a lot of time chasing parasitoid wasps around the dunes trying to photograph those <laughs> Um, also seen some incredibly impressive horseflies and hornets. Uh, it was it is a incredible place again, also for birds birds of prey. Um, but it's just such an expansive dune system. Yeah, uh, that the insect life is just it's, it is definitely up there for one of my favourite places in the world because <laughs> you can spend an afternoon playing football and then duck into the dunes for some photography so I bet you wished you'd started a bug in the lens a bit earlier when you were up there yeah well part I suppose you've still got photos have you yeah some of the ways I picked out these locations was to go through some photos and be like oh that was Newber Beach or yeah. that was South yeah. Stack and so I was like okay, well, I'll start and it sort of brought back the memories um but it's one of those places that whether or not you're a wildlife fan you should just go anyway because it's yeah who doesn't have a nice sandy beach um, but yeah, the insect life in particular is just really quite exceptional, um, especially if just very fond memories of chasing parastoid wasps with a big net. <laughs> well, it's what we, that's what it's all about is memories. Isn't yeah, it? it's what we did um, because we we're really cool. So I spent our summer holidays off from the university studying just chasing insects with big nets. Um, but yes, I'll, you know, I'll end in the same way. Go there. <laughs> Newport Beach and Anglesey. Thing is, is Anglesey has quite a few incredible beaches um and the wildlife from a coastal point of view uh, like the marine wildlife the bird wildlife the insect wildlife, it is just a, an incredible place and i think growing up on the south coast of england where i love our beach but it's obviously all very shingle heavy 
a big sandy beach was quite unexpected to find in north you know drizzly rainy windy north wales but it is it is incredible um so yeah go to newburgh beach west coast of anglesey yeah it's an amazing place so you did take me there once when i was up visiting you at uni it was sort of the go-to place when people visited it's like where do you want to go we'll take you to newburgh not that far sandy beach go for a swim in the nice irish sea yeah irish or it might be the atlantic yeah, it's the irish sea it's it? the irish yeah. um but yeah i say if you're an insect photographer it, it has to be somewhere you go I can hear the rain. Can you yeah, hear the rain? I can. I don't know whether it's being picked up on the microphones. Sadly, I don't know enough about the bee species to be able to tell you which bee species it was that I was hunting down because that was my friend George. It's a special speciality. Oh, well, maybe we'll get George on the pod um, and he can tell us all about bees. But a lot of nice days walking with him telling me about the nice yeah. bees and then struggling to find them. Yeah. But yeah, there we go. Newport Beach, Anglesey. Okay. Over to you, Father. Next one. I can't, I can't do a favourite place without mentioning... WWT Arundel. Yes, I do have this in my honourable mentions. Because even now, you know, your mum and I still um, probably go there once a week. We'll, we can go there just to have lunch and look across the lake. And, yeah, and obviously Arundel's beautiful. And Arundel's absolutely beautiful. And I'll try to be concise about this, but um, the, the Wildlife, sorry, the Wild Fowl and Wetlands Trust was started by Sir Peter Scott. I've learned a little bit about Peter Scott that I didn't know. And Sir Peter Scott, uh, an amazing man who started that whole organisation. Uh, back in 1946, he started it. And he was the only child of Antarctic explorer Robert Falcon Scott. Oh, OK. So, um, but he was an amazing man. He was he was responsible for creating uh, the Swan logo for the, uh, for the organisation. Also... WWF's famous panda logo, which I didn't oh, realise. Interesting. He was also an accomplished sportsman. He won a bronze medal at the 1936 Olympic Games for sailing. He became a British gliding champion in 1963. He was a national championship standard ice skater. He was an inventor and designed the trapeze that racing crews use to hang from a sailing boat, the rocket net, which catches birds, and the camouflage used by British World War II warships for which he received a CBE. He was also an accomplished artist. I mean, I don't know how he fit it all fit. I will say, I've been on the trapeze <coughs> on a racing sailing boat, yeah. and it's incredibly well, fun. So He invented that, apparently. How he fit all this into his, <laughs> into his day-to-day life, I don't know. And he was also the first person to be knighted for services to conservation in 1973. So a fascinating man. Anyway, he started the WWT organisation. Uh, I think the very first one was in the Seven here, the Seven Wild Fowl Trust, as it was called then, and then it was renamed. And anyway, that now has ten wetland reserves, and their their directive is to protect wetland areas. Are there are only ten WWT. There's only ten, there's only ten wetland reserves in oh, the country. I did not. For some reason, I had it in my mind that there was a lot more than that. Um, I can give you all the facts. That's three thousand hectares of prime wetland habitat are managed by the WWT. They've got a thousand volunteers from local communities. They have four hundred and fifty full time staff, which are who are experts in plants, animal health, and water management. Are helping communities and wildlife to live in harmony with the natural environment. Fifty thousand school children learn about water and the natural environment every year, uh, 200,000 members and a million visitors to the sites every year. So it's a, it's a fantastic organisation and a place I think that was one of the first places you went as a seven or eight-year-old with your camera. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think... We I s- think with your grandma initially, she yeah. took you around. The, the, the photography journey started at Swanbourne Lake, which it's is just, over just the road, down the road it? from yeah. the Wetton Centre, where you put the Nikon FM2 in my hand and taught me about exposure and shutter yeah. speeds. Um, but as a place to like practice, it was always... Because grandparents always had, um, had a membership there, yeah. so I would go for a day out. And obviously, there's so many birds there. It's not like you need to sit with a massive lens. You get quite close to the ducks and have a little play. Yeah, that's the whole thing about the wetland centres. They, they want open areas where people can get close to the wildlife as well. Yeah, and it was a good really place good. to experiment. I, I did my first, and I think potentially one of my only ever photographic competitions yes, at the wetland centre. I had, had one of my duck one photos didn't you? on, I didn't win, but was was on the wall, yeah. which was really cool. I, I was not very old. You helped me name that photo. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah, it's always so you've got a fond affection for it, and it's a place, as I say, that your mum and I go back to. We're, we're full time members there, and 
you know, if you just want an hour or two just to go and have a chill, it's a fantastic little place. Yeah, I mean, I, like I say, I didn't put it as a as a full uh, one to talk about, but I've got a few honorary mentions at the end. One of the other reasons why I put the Wetland Centre is it's one of the only places actually just outside the Wetland Centre, but it's one of the only places I've ever photographed a water vole. Well, I was going to say it's a very important place for water voles because they were instrumental in the reintroduction of water voles uh, between, I think it's 1999 and 2005, and um, the Arundel Wetland Centre was instrumental in yeah, I mean, taking that project on. The ironic thing is, is that they, I remember they built a hide called like the Water Vole Hide where you're supposed to be able to see them. Never saw one. But the river or the little stream that runs alongside the road yes. that you walk to you to get to, that's them. where I yeah. saw them. Um, yeah. I said one-off. It is actually the only place I've ever photographed a water vole. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's a fantastic place. Again, this time of year, they've got lots of overwintering birds, lapwing, um, all sorts coming in. Uh, they've got avocets there as well. Um, they've got eight wildlife hides there. Um, and a lot of ducks. A lot of ducks, kingfishers, lots of sand martins come in and nest uh, in the spring. They've got a sand martin hide where it's literally made out of mud, this hide. And um, and they come straight at the hide and, you know, they nest in the holes in the hide either yeah. side of the windows. So you get this fantastic display of, of nesting sand martins busily feeding their young and it's a, a fantastic I place. think it is actually the only WWT centre I've ever been to. Yeah, well it's not yeah, I've been to another one which I am actually going to mention in this, but yeah, there's only say there's only ten in the country, so um yeah, Arundel always have a special but there, place. But they're a they're a fantastic organisation for trying to it's all about habitat maintenance and like you said education and you education always see school kids massive there thing for education doing like um river dipping and uh, yeah and it's like so that. so lovely to see because they do have lots of parties of school children in and seeing in the the enthusiasm of youngsters because they're the ones <laughs> they're the ones that are going to save the planet so you need to keep educating them on how important it is and so it's one of my favorite little places i go there once a week without fail. cracking cafe as well great cafe Best vegan pasties in the world. Anyway. I oh, see. I was... So, go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could have very easily stayed in North Wales and done... Oh, our... sorry. I just meant to mention roosting marsh harries in the winter at Arundel. It's a big thing over the reed beds. Roosting marsh harries. Sorry. Go there. <laughs> um, yeah, I could have very easily stayed in North Wales and done RSPB Conway, but I didn't want um, the entire thing to be my time up in North Wales. So I'm going to hop right back down to south and do a place that we've mentioned before, plus it's in surrounding area of Keyhaven Marshes, but also the New Forest just as a place. Yeah. Uh, so I'll kick it off with the uh, Limington and Keyhaven Marshes. So I, th- I say it has been mentioned probably in one of my few, few catch-ups that I ever actually managed to do uh, because you and I have been there, but it is an internationally important coastal marsh um it's got a huge population of fish and therefore supports thousands of seabirds and, and waders uh, in spring you get the nice migrant birds like wheat ear and swallows and terns obviously we we had a lovely time watching the terns yeah, fishing fantastic yeah. um, and dartford warblers yes. as well yeah uh, and then obviously a bit like with you at pagham uh, you get a huge number of uh, wintering birds arriving it's a lovely place because again it's got such a variety of habitats yeah so you've got you've got one side which is very heathland and you do actually get things like adders and, and quite a few of our native reptiles there i've never not actually seen them but my my friend josh assures me they are there um you've obviously got like the nice coastal walk where you, where you can go all the way along to like the sailing club and then on the other side so you've got the, the sea on the i'm gonna say on the left or the right depending which way you're walking but on one side and on the other side you've got wetlands yeah. and sort of inland pools yeah which, for a personal highlight, is obviously where we saw the baby avocets. Oh, how which cute! Which was they? one of I've, I mean, I, I'd seen avocets, but the little babies with the tiny, tiny little upturned beak was just one of the cutest. And things actually, I've I ever had seen. A, I had one of the most amazing moments there as well. Do you remember watching that group of avocet parents? Yeah, chasing off a, a, oh, no, a, it heron. Was a heron. It was a heron, and there was about five of them. The heron had come in, and heron will take young uh, chicks, whether it's avocet chicks or any other chicks that size heron will take them and f- the the avocets got together and saw off this grey heron yeah it was proper team effort. and it was proper team chasing him away wasn't it so yeah. that was a real moment um i've spent quite a lot of time at keyhaven we've also seen marsh harriers um 
I've mentioned the turns. Spoonbill, it's the only place I've ever seen a spoonbill. You get lots of curly there and sandpipers and dunlins, all yeah. sorts. Well, I mean, obviously, I think it was in our catch-up probably only a few episodes ago of watching the two kingfishers have, yeah. a, have a play. Not that we managed to photograph no. them, but we got to watch that them. That would have been wildlife photograph of the year if I'd have managed to get <laughs> um, that. One that of incredible. my favourite photos of all time was the caterpillar uh, photo, the big yes. orange-faced yeah. caterpillar, uh, caterpillar, or blue-faced caterpillar, rather, um, and grebes as well. They've all, again, from a diversity point of view, for you and me, it's, it's perfect because you've got all the birds there for you. Well, this is in the summer anyway, all yeah. the birds there for you. And then just an unbelievable array of insects, like I say, from, from the caterpillars to some quite rare butterfly yeah, species. loads of dragonflies. Huge and, number of dragonflies. Yeah. And great spiders as yeah. well to take photo. And I say I haven't seen them, but you also get the lizards and the adders there as well. Um, so it's quite it's, amusing because we walk along and you look down and I look up. Yeah, I'm, I'm very trained at looking at the ground, so yeah. I can spot little spiders sprinting around, but I miss all the birds because yeah. I just stare at the floor. The difference is you see the dog poo and I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and the difference is when it's sunny and and we're somewhere good is I can find probably an all more species than you'll find in two days in a single bush. Yeah. Yes. But true. then in winter I've got nothing. Yeah. Um, so that's a particular highlight for me within sort of the new forest area but i wanted to give the new forest just a a mention in general um one of the i mean there's it's quite a large area but the three bits i've pulled out are denny wood uh, the ornamental drive and acres down that's the rhinefield ornamental yes. drive which is a, a fantastic place that is yeah i mean obviously it's where i, I got engaged um, yeah. but it's an incredible I know it really place well. my, um, obviously uh, my mum and dad live down there yeah so. and dennywood and, and the rhinefield area is a place that again josh gets mentions he i think he'll be a guest at, on this podcast at some come on point. josh get on um, here mate but we somewhat yearly go and do mushroom photography which is something josh only introduced me to a couple of years ago like post just photography is it just photography <laughs> and um i i say i've always been a macro photographer was i've never really considered photographing mushrooms and it is we've had so, such fun normally with one of us holding a flash gun at a funny angle to try it's and create you wouldn't associate it would you with you know having a right old time it's been fantastic mm. it really has and one of my favorite photos i've got is of a like a puffball mushroom puffing out oh, the spores in That's the shape a of a mushroom photo. and obviously what you don't see is josh somewhere in the background holding a flash with a stick poking the mushroom and counting down to and it, so it was really quite entertaining um but yeah not something like earlier on in my life i'd ever thought i'd be out lying on the ground photographing mushrooms but it's a very well-known spot for it we've seen all sorts of thing does it all the time yeah and yeah such a again variety of mushrooms um i put acres down in there because it's the only place i've ever seen a goshawk <gasps> i will goshawk. caveat that with the fact it was probably like two miles away and it was through a scope and we happened to bump into somebody who surveys the area and he could confirm it was goshawk it was a black speck in the distance, but I'm, I'm taking it. As you know, it's one of my birds that I'm desperate to not only see, but to photograph, but actually to see because they're very, very elusive birds. Yeah, and Acres Down is a very well-known place for it. During the... Well, I can't remember which season it is that they do their mating. Is it spring? Yeah, it's spring. So around April, May time, yeah, the, you'll see them. You can you'll see them on, courting and then they're, they're obviously mating at that time. Yeah, and you can sit on acres down and they come up above the trees and it's actually a very well-known spot for, if yeah. you want to see goshawks, that's where you should go. Incredible bird. I know Chris Packham has uh, highlighted how much he likes the goshawk because, yeah. of course, he lives in New Forest, doesn't he? Yeah, and it, it's obviously a bit of a hot spot for yeah. them. Um, again, the new, obviously, the New Forest is incredibly famous for its deer population, not all native species, but it's, I've seen deer... Uh, sort of rutting and bellowing and all sorts in the new forest so just from a, a wildlife experience point of view uh, the new forest i think is really quite something special i've also done several trail runs through yeah the new, i've got one coming up next month and one of not for obviously photographic but just again from a wildlife experience point of view it was running through the woods with a sparrowhawk oh, running alongside me, me. and i thought for a moment it might be a goshawk until it landed but just looking to the side and seeing movement and realizing it was a sparrowhawk weaving in and out the trees i was like this is this is ridiculous yeah. um, but that's up there for me as one of my favorite sort of wildlife things and again a bit like um keyhaven got the honorable mention of one of my favorite photos being that caterpillar one of my other favourite photos is a musk beetle face, and it's a big, bright green longhorn beetle that we get in the UK. And uh, again, found that was out with Josh, and that is up there with one of my 
my personal favourite photos. It's on the wall at um, Southampton University, actually, because I entered that into a, another photographic competition. And I just, real soft spot for that picture. Um, and I've also spent a huge amount of time looking at adders, slow worms, yes. lizards, yeah. but so many adders. Uh, that the New Forest is just a phenomenal national park. It's, it really it's an amazing place. Again, quite it's, a rich diversity of um, yeah, and it's a it's a bit wildlife and, and habitat. It's a bit different to pulling out RSPB, South Stack, or, or even Keyhaven, which is just a, a a nature reserve. Obviously, it's a national park, so it's yeah. huge, um, and so it's it's obviously got that variety from wetland areas to wood, obviously a lot of woodland um, and heathland and, yeah. and everything else. Where I saw a Dartford warbler. It's a lot um, of gorse and scrubland yeah. and, and heathland, isn't it? One of the only places I've heard cuckoos. Um, yeah. They've they've obviously got night jars there, not that I've seen them. But, no, that's um, another bird I, I need to see. I've got friends who, I mean, I've already mentioned him once, Sean, and, and others who live up sort of in the northern parts of the country who come down over summer to come and experience the, the southern birds of the, of the new Sean forest. Sean was chasing Dartford walkers yeah, we did, for a while, we, wasn't he? <laughs> to the point where we were actually sat in a car parked in one of the little tiny car parks in the rain with binoculars just, just praying because he had to go home at the end of the day. <laughs> I've got a feeling you were doing that once while m- your mum and I were up at Farnham. Yeah, and you saw And we them. photographed it and I sent you a picture on the same day yeah. that you were searching for them in the new forest. Sean went and found one elsewhere. We tried very yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, but there's also uh, areas with turtle doves. Yeah. And so the new forest really is a, an incredible Fantastic national park. Place. But for, from a photograph point of view, the, the annual mushroom photography and um, the musk beetle are two particular highlights for me within within the new forest. So go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great place. And I, I know it well because I say your grandparents, my mum and dad, Lived in the New Forest for a long time, and uh, it's a it's a fabulous place. Just I'm very fond of it. Enjoy the one way system around them. Yeah, getting through Lindhurst is a bit of a challenge, yeah. but I think I think Sean concluded that every road leads through Lindhurst because yeah. it seems like the whole world you goes can through it. Queue but. for about four miles to get through there, but yeah, but go there anyway. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go on to another RSPB uh, well, of reserve. Course. Uh, that I've only just recently visited for the first time, and that is RSPB Arn, um, not too far away from where you were in the New Forest, um, just on the Purbeck Peninsula, which is sort of overlooking Pool Harbour. It's one of the richest examples of heathland in England. In fact, I think a part, one of your Hyde Heaths, or higher Hyde Heaths... Yeah, Heath, that's my next one. Uh, ...it sort of runs into that area. So it's, we're talking... Dorset here, and um, again, it's a, a site of specific scientific interest, and it's a in, it's an incredible place for wildlife. It's so diverse, the heathland. I, so I think it's the first time that I've walked across a proper heathland, and it was absolutely stunning. We saw Dartford warblers, lots of linnets and meadow pipits, but the the swathe of purple heather. Yeah, so often the heathland is overgrazed wow. or and you don't get to really it's enjoy it. Absolutely stunning. But then you've got all the uh, the estuarine reed beds and the marshes and well, it just blew me away on um absolutely blew me away. And of course I went down there well we went down there primarily with the hope of seeing an osprey because that was one of my one on my wish list. And, I can't remember um, whether this featured in a catch-up or not. I can't remember when you got back from Yeah, Arne. I think it might have done. And we were very lucky to see ospreys down there. They're, they stop over, uh, you know, for a, for a couple of weeks in September, into October if you're lucky, and then they're off again. But we, we were very lucky to see um, to see osprey. But, of course, also a huge array of uh, waders. Yeah, and, and again, I think we did mention it when, when you spoke about it, but it was where you saw probably the largest group of curlews you've ever experienced. Well, I think one person the day before had sat in this particular hide looking out across the, the, the mudflats and the marshes and had counted 82 curlew in a, in, a, in a curfew, I think they're called, a curfew of curlew. And then the next day we were there and something spooked them. I guess I mentioned it, I think, in a the, in the catch-up and they took to the air and there must have been over 100 curlew in the air, which was just a stunning sight. But it's um, a huge, again, huge, diverse uh, habitat. It's got woodland, salt marsh, grassland and heathland. Um, I think it's also one of the few 
remaining places where all six of the UK's native reptiles can be found, I believe. Yes, which I, I think chat you about. were going to mention on your higher high tea, so I'll leave that one to you. So it's a, but it's a, it's an again an internationally important place for wildlife, and uh, I'll give you a little list of things that we saw. Osprey, there's a white-tailed eagle that uh, is has been seen out and about. We saw a Forster's tern, which is a very rare tern, um, a very rare visitor to this country. And they were all going mad down there for the fact that this Forster's turn had turned up. Turned up. <laughs> Sorry about the pun. Oh, yeah. He's got a, he's got a, a particularly a particular favourite post that it sits on out in this bit of harbour. And um, sure enough, he was sitting on there, a little bit too far away from my lens, but I did get a half decent shot. So that was quite exciting. Nightjar, woodcock, spoonbills. Dartford warblers, loads of curly, fantastic array of, um, like I say, wading birds. But it's also really, really important for flora and fauna as well. And, of course, invertebrates. And, and as I just mentioned about the native reptiles, which you're going to talk about. So what should so people do? Go there. <laughs> I, enough said. Go there. Definitely go there. I'm it, going back soon. So I am. Um, I'm actually going to... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do higher hide heath and then I've, I've, I've got... I've changed something from an honorary mention to just a slightly more detail so i'm going to go through higher high teeth quite quickly because it's not dissimilar to arn um obviously being heathland it's internationally important both for dry and wet lowland heathland and woodland as well and like you said it's home to all six native reptile species so studland heath quite a lot of areas in the heathland in dorset really is where you find all six and of course they did that on Springwatch because they were at arn in Springwatch, and they mentioned this six of the uk's native reptiles and uh, that's what I was going there for, really. Again, with Josh, actually, we went looking for adders. Um, we didn't have a very successful time for reptiles. We found one adder. We found a few slow worms, but it was not a particularly successful trip on that day. But it was sort of what made up for it was, again, the invertebrate life. For for me, it's where some of my favourite dragonfly and damselfly photos yeah. came from, as well as just more nursery web spiders than I really knew what to do with. I <laughs> just, they were everywhere. Um so yeah, I, I won't go into this one too much because I think it's it's not dissimilar to our again obviously nightjar, Dartford warblers, yeah. tree pipits. It's all part of the same it's, heathlands. Yeah, the, the the Dorset heathlands, yeah. Yeah. whether it's Studland, Arn, yeah. Higher Hyde, obviously are very similar. They're all within uh, quite close proximity to each other, and they are all incredible. Um, one of the things I liked particularly about Higher Hyde is whereas Studland is very well known. Studland Beach is very well known. It's one of the only places you can see both long and short-snouted uh, seahorses. Not that I saw oh, okay. either when I snorkeled there, but I saw a pipefish, which is a cousin of them. Um, it's It gets quite busy, Studland, because it's sort of the go-to beach yeah. and then people sort of drift into yeah. the heathlands. There wasn't really a car park for high height. Josh knew a little place to park. And so it it felt like we had the whole place to ourselves. I think we saw one other person. So just from... How lovely. <laughs> yeah, it was just so quiet. Um, that That's one of the reasons why I, I'm particularly fond of it. It's just because it was really... It felt like you were in the middle of nowhere. And like I say, we didn't have the most success, successful time hunting reptiles. Um, but I, did, I got to see one. <laughs> one little adder tucked under a bit of metal. Um so you know, I'll keep that one really short because I've decided to add more information to a different one. Right. Okay. Well, I think I've only got one more left. Sam, you got? Well, I've only got one, and then oh, two honorary right. mentions. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So do your last one, and yeah. then I've added information just because I think it deserves it. Okay. Well, I'm going back to another WWT site, which is Wellney. Um, Where is it? I forgot where Wellney is. Wellney is, is up in on the Norfolk coast. Oh yeah, of course it is. Uh, yeah. Up on the Ooze Wash, as it's called. Again. Um, this was a place that uh, th- this was the second wetland reserve um, that was opened by Sir Peter Scott. Another internationally important place for overwintering birds, In, and they have a mass winter gathering. And again, I think when um, when they did it was either Winter Watch. I think they did Winter Watch at Wild Ken Hill in Norfolk, which is a bit which is on the north coast, and. Um, and they mentioned all the coastland going all the way down to Welney, 
these mass winter gatherings of, of wild ducks and geese and swans and it's an incredible sight you so many thousands of ducks they come in from the arctic and you get also they call it is a magical sight nine thousand wild buick and hooper swans come in that is a lot of swans <laughs> so it's again an incredibly important place for wildlife and another place that absolutely blew me away and it's quite a simple place uh wellney because they have a number of hides which are all it's almost linear you just go down one path you can go left or right now hides left or right but it's just on one sort of side of this reserve and you get sit in these hides and look across either uh uh arable farmland or across the the marshes and the wetlands and this is the place where every single day we just watched marsh areas all day long we've been quite wetland heavy haven't we of our favorite obviously yeah, i mean we I do think... love waterfowl in particular yeah we have i won't but... talk about the heathland as well but yeah um there's something about yeah wetland areas which attracts so much wildlife and it's not just waterfowl but it's... i do have a soft spot for ducks though yeah we love ducks don't we but the, again and it's one of the only places that i saw and in fact, again, it was quite a rare sight. There is a, a small population of cranes in Norfolk, yeah. not at Welney, a bit further up the coast. Um, but the day we were there, this flock of 50 cranes, and it was a beautiful blue sky, sunny day. And this flock of 50 cranes, we just so lucky sitting in this hide. And it was one of those moments. They came in and they... They come down in the air with their legs dangling and they look like little parachutists coming in. And it was an absolutely stunning moment. They'd never seen so many cranes come in. It it happened before, but not very often, because like I say, there's a population in Norfolk doesn't tend to come into into the Welney site very often. So we were very lucky. And that was a real wildlife moment, watching these parachutists come in, these cranes uh, come uh, wafting down into the into the wetlands and that was fantastic but the variety of not again not just birds but wildlife there became a very very we had a very special moment and time at Wellney we were there for three days um fantastic place absolutely fantastic place and again so in such an important uh place for wildlife you know and these are the places that these organisations are doing so much, not just to protect the sites they've got, but to find new sites and you know, buy they, up other sites. They often sites. get a lot of mentions at the, as far as organisations that are doing a lot for conservation. Yeah. RSPB, yeah, we mention them all they always a lot. get, a, get uh, a shout out. And it's not just the same, maintaining the sites that they've already got, the RSPB reserves and the... It's also the projects that they do the on The projects them. and the educational side as well is just is fantastic. And, and um, yeah, I love them. Go there. <laughs> So this one's a little bit different. It's, it's hard because there's so many places. Like I could have mentioned Farlington Marshes because it's the place I saw short-eared owls and never seen short-eared owls before. So that was incredible. And uh, there's so many. But this is one that I think is, is very approachable. It's just Southampton Common. It's just in the middle of a city. And obviously during COVID and the lockdowns when we were allowed one or two hours or whatever it was to go for a walk, it was I used to live quite close to the common so I could go for a little little wonder and it's not massive when you compare it to something like some of the london parks yeah however it, it oh, i've got it here actually it's 365 acres but it is a triple si it is an sssi yeah. uh site of special scientific interest in the middle of southampton it's got a little bit of woodland a few lovely lakes um and obviously lots of people go there for i don't know taking their dogs for a walk and there's play areas for kids but some of my favorite photographs so again i was looking through my instagram i was like quite blown away i'd almost forgotten how many just come from southampton common particularly those of um like the faces of weevils for example which yeah. i'm particularly fond of uh and i've i did a little bit of searching um its first record actually dates back to 1228 um but it's possible it went back even even further and it, i think it's got it's got two or three lakes and again you get the normal hold on we've got a cat coming excuse me a minute yeah, I can't remember where it was, but I'll... I'll anyway, so a bit of a cat interruption. Sorry about that. Obviously, it's a place where lots of people take their families for, for dog walking, picnics, barbecues, um, running, cycling, and all that sort of stuff. But I've obviously mentioned the weevil photos, particular highlight for me. Obviously, there's 
where if you have a nice pond in a city, there's ducks, which is nice. But one of the other things was the closest encounter, apart from maybe the run in the New Forest, I've ever had with a sparrowhawk, where I was right in the middle of a little clearing in some trees, um, trying to photograph insects, and something just flew past and landed on the ground. And I don't know if it hit whatever it was it was trying to hit. I just looked over, and there's just a sparrowhawk just chilling on the ground, and then Amazing. it took off. They're very underrated areas aren't they yeah little uh, commons in the middle of cities they're very very underrated i think yeah i mean it's it's stunning especially i think i think you can find adders and stuff there yeah. as well which is not too um surprising given where it is in, in the country um for me it was a little haven during lockdown it was a place i could actually go and do some nice photography I also spent an evening there with a friend trying to see tawny owls. We we could hear them, but we yeah. never actually managed to find them. We were sort of trying to oh, love track down. Owl. And we even played the sort of mating call uh, through a YouTube video yeah. on our phone. And you could hear them responding. And, and we didn't actually manage Such to see them. Such a lovely them, sound, isn't it? It's fantastic. I mean, again, you're in the middle of a city. Yeah. Pop in, you've got tawny owls yeah. um, hooting away. And actually, I think that's a really good one to highlight because we always think, you know, to see wildlife, we've got to go off to some RSPB nature reserve. But actually, the parks in your city and towns and, you know, I have a little local walk that just goes over the field at the back of my house. And yeah, I think. So so you, you often forget, you know, about, forget about just how much you can see if you just literally go and walk and look. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're looking for invertebrates. Yeah. And I know there are some huge parks, um, like Richmond Park, for example, in London. I just don't know them very well. Yeah. So Southampton was the one that, that I got to sort of experience properly. And because of its proximity to things like the New Forest, you do get species sort of popping up there. And it, I was, it's just, for me personally, I couldn't believe it had a SSSI or a triple SI site yeah 30 seconds away from my flat in yeah. the middle of city fantastic uh, so i felt like it deserved its own little mention just because like you said it's a little pocket of wildlife in yeah. the middle of an urban area and surprisingly diverse well again it shows you how much uh, wildlife can thrive in an urban yeah. area and i know more and more you know we have more and more wildlife coming into urban areas for food for I mean, foxes to. foxes are a typical example of that um you also, it's also one of the only places I've seen, obviously you get like the, um, you see like the signets for the swans, yeah. but first time I've seen like proper little little chicks essentially yeah. with, the, with the parents and, and these tiny, tiny little baby swans. And people, were, because obviously it's in the middle of the city, it's quite busy, you get people getting quite close to take photos. And what was really interesting to watch was that the, the mum was sort of just chilling with the chicks. They were feeding, but people were throwing uh, like bird seed down. But the, the the male swan just stood stood guard. They hiss, don't and they? It, it hissed a couple of times, yeah. but it was just the you could tell the female swan was quite at ease looking because the the male just stood there guard, just staring people out. Yeah. And everyone was like, we won't get too and close. They are and big birds. Aren't they're they? big, intimidating, yeah. and it was just one of those those very protective. Yeah, it was a nice example of of that where it was mm. just you you knew it would take anyone on yeah. <laughs> if it needed to. Yeah. Um, but again, quite a nice nice moment. But a lot of lovely photography, and I say the weevil photos are my favorite some of my favorite photos and they just come from a little pocket of pocket of nature in the middle of a city yeah fantastic so go if you're in southampton go, go there, there. It's, it's fantastic so i think we've been actually quite concise haven't we? because i could have talked about i've got so many i could have talked about all of these places i could have talked about them all day long each one of them yeah so i think we've been quite good haven't we i mean i'd like to mention mull but yeah. it's not really local to me. Obviously, <laughs> no. I think it was a very long drive and a ferry trip across the uh, the water to get to Mull. But, but we saw wow. eagles. Uh, what an amazing place, Mull was. And so... And otters. So wild and unspoilt as well. That was the thing I loved about Mull. It was just totally unspoilt. Hiked um, up a big mountain. It was fantastic. It was absolutely beautiful. And, of course, one of the most successful places for the reintroduction of the white-tailed eagle... Which we saw. Which we didn't get to see a golden eagle. The, one of the first places, Scotland was one of the first places for it for them to be uh, reintroduced back in, I think it was 1976. And th there's still now the largest population of white-tailed eagles is up there. Not all on Mull, but up in Scotland. Um, we wanted to see a golden eagle. Uh, very, very hard to see them. And if you do see them, they tend to be a thousand we'll feet up in the air. we back, won't we? We will have to go back. 
But what a fantastic play. First time I've ever seen a Obviously, wild otter. Yes, and that first was time stunning. I've, yeah, same for me. Obviously, We'd only been there 20 minutes and a wild otter popped yeah. up in the lock, didn't it? <laughs> Which is just it's a very cold lock, but I did enjoy having a swim in that. Um, it's the first <laughs> time I've ever jumped in water and lost the ability to talk. I was worried about you. Yeah. For you to say, it's really cold. That, it it was, was really quite cold. Yeah. Um, I was okay after a while, and then I put my head in, saw those jellyfish, and promptly left yeah. the water. I, I, had, I was full of admiration for you getting in that locker, I can't be honest. I mean, we've got a fantastic photo. I don't think I've ever yeah. looked quite so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you looked absolutely gorgeous. In <laughs> obviously, I, th- I can't remember whether... Did we do an episode on Mole? Uh, no, we didn't. We didn't. We did, obviously did we Croatia. We did Croatia. I took you on a very easy, gentle, lovely coastal walk that was... <laughs> We mentioned we meant we've mentioned yeah. Mel a number of times, but it's yes. the largest group of cormorants oh, that I've was ever fantastic. seen. The first time I've seen guillemots as well. Where we saw yeah up on the up on the cliffs, and we saw so many yeah so many um, uh, seals as well in Mel off the coast of Mel, didn't we? Yeah, and we also think we saw peregrine yeah um, yeah up at the top of cliffs. But yeah, Mel was phenomenal. Yeah, it was a stunning place. Um, like I say, for me, it was just the fact it was so unspoiled and so wild. Yeah, I think we saw gannets on the ferry yeah, journey across as well. Fantastic place, and I need to go back and and obviously the Tobermory Distillery was <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, go and drink some nice whiskey. <laughs> that was an afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah. That was um, great experience. If you ever get a chance to go to the Tobermory <laughs> whiskey tasting tour, do it. Yeah, it is incredible. <laughs> it was fantastic. Right, so you, you're going to make me look bad because you're like, oh, Mole's not really very local. I have two honorary mentions, which are... Okay, well, I, I'm sort of I'm sort of done there because I could talk about other places yeah, as well. Yeah, like, but... this is supposed to be a very light little yeah. chit-chat about yeah. some places that are, that are uh, close uh, to our hearts. Yeah, and I could have gone into some of the history of Pagham and We and haven't what delved have you, but... into the sort of ecology or mm. any uh, scientific projects or, or anything really. It's been quite a whistle-stop tour yeah. just of just some of our favourite places. Just trying to highlight just what amazing places they are as well. Nice. Not just to see the wildlife, but the way that they're protecting it and... And encouraging nice it. for us to take a little trip down yeah. memory lane i have two honorary mentions on, which then. are very very not local one is kirka national park in croatia yeah well i, I can understand I you highlighting that one won't talk about really because if people want to know more about why we loved croatia and kirka then we have a whole episode yes, on a whole it. episode which tells you all about but it. i just wanted to give it its mention because i've never been in a place with so many damselflies dra- i didn't know camera, what to did do you? the dragonfly and damselfly abundance was mind-blowing that walk down through the waterfalls and everything was yeah especially one of the most stunning places i've ever been to we got there early enough before the crowds and like i said the 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 insect diversity but particular dragon and damselflies i i just cannot believe i didn't really didn't know what to do with myself it was incredible mm. um so that gets a shout out and the other one is arizona which again i could talk about for days but i went there on a university field trip but from a photographic point of view it was just so different with rattlesnakes and scorpions and you went out at night and everything didn't yeah you? and big centipedes yeah. and and just from a from a photographic point of view uh, and an experience point of view, it just has to be up there to be in a desert in the middle of Arizona yeah. and see. Yeah, that must have been an experience. I've never. I must have been. I've never done that. Um, and, and things like that, which is something so different. Yeah. Um, but I just want to give a shout out because Arizona was class. So you're going to say go there, Arizona? Yeah, go there and walk around the desert. But there's big Make sure you've got good boots on and long trousers. Oh, we did it in jeans with big gaiters to stop um, snake bite stuff because obviously we were out there deliberately looking for. What was it, 35 degrees? Also, I took more camera gear than I really knew what to do with and it was very hot. I mean, all my camera gear (laughs) at the time. (laughs) Take all of your camera gear. Yeah, D90, all your your camera bag as well, actually. I took everything. I actually took. The D90 and the battery from the D80. So I left yeah. you with nothing. And the big lens and everything, didn't you? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. completely worth it. So go there. So just shout out for two, obviously, um, abroad spots that I've enjoyed for photography. But yeah, there we go. Okay, I think we're, we're highlighted just what, a few of the places that we absolutely What would be to. absolutely lovely is if people have listened to this episode, if you want to, I don't know, drop a comment on the announcement of... Um, that we will both put our put out a post about this um about this episode if you want to comment on that or on the episode itself of either your favorite places um have you been to any of the places that we've mentioned 
where do you think we should go if you've got recommendations? Yeah, some recommendations would be fantastic. If, in if you, you know, obviously, we mentioned so many RSPB reserves. Is there one that you're particularly fond of that we should... I, mean, I think Dad wants to aim for going to every RSPB reserve in the country. I think 172 of them. But are there any that you're particularly fond of? We've been quite biased towards the south coast yeah. and North Wales, so... Well, I think, again, it's more a local... Yeah, it's where we've been. Where we've been, and also we're trying to keep it a little bit more local because of you know travelling and what have yeah, you yeah but obviously it's where I grew up on the south coast and yeah, went to uni in North course. Wales it's, so our, it's our area isn't yeah, it? so it's are pack. there places that we're really missing yeah. Um, so yeah it would be fantastic to hear whether or not you've been to these places places we should go uh, or just in general your favourite well of course I've got a local one that you've been to and I haven't that I really need to go to which is the NEP estate. oh yeah the NEP was phenomenal I could have I've only been there for an afternoon um so, the NEP is incredible. And that's only 20 minutes up the road. I know, um, I need to go to the NEP estate. I didn't get a photo. It's the only place I've ever seen a wild stoat. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, any recommendations or any comments at all of places that you've been, favourite places, fantastic. Just, yeah, what I might do, actually, is I'll stick out a story and people can respond to it because I'd be love to know uh, yeah. other people's favourite spots. It'd be also nice to know if you've been to any of these places that we've mentioned. Yeah. But yeah. probably, you know, if you live up in Sunderland, you probably haven't. But, no. you know, <laughs> but you never know. Um, but, yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed listening to us sort of just ramble on about our favourite yeah. spots. Uh, it's a nice light it's episode. It's been a bit of a light chat. Hasn't yeah, it, today? but a nice little break from doing yeah. all no, the I've research really on a, on really a, enjoyed on a species. They're places that are very uh, close Dear. to our hearts. Yeah. And I'm sure next episode we'll probably be back to something a bit more sciencey. Yeah. But anyway, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks very much for listening and we will catch you next time. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.